The views expressed on the following program are designed to amplify those of the speaker and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors. Hello, everybody. What's coming up on today's experience? Devotional Diamonds of the Day, also known as DDDs, where my daily devotions become some of our spiritual reflections. Sound effects placed throughout the show, which have nothing to do with life, but they're fun, they're funny, they make you smile, they're happy, sometimes they're sad, sometimes they're goofy. You just don't know that's what makes it interesting. The review of the goofy news, which proves Jesus is coming back sooner than you think. All you have to do is look at any headlines from any station, from any media outlet, and you can understand two things. One, the Lord is coming back much sooner than people think. And two, media is an acronym for making everyone dumber in America. There you go. Life lessons for our faith that we can actually use. Probably won't, but we could if we become doers and not just hearers of the word. Humor that will force you to think, why does this guy have a radio show? Also, Bible trivia for fake, and yet somehow, real cool prizes, your phone calls, and more. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. My name is David Spoon. I will be your host for the next 5,400 seconds. Get ready for one of the more bizarre experiences on live radio. Here is the key to the show. We don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what's going to happen, and we don't care. But for the next few minutes, I want to talk faith with you. So here we go. We're asking questions about living life as a Christian. You know, when you have a plan to do something, like maybe your name is David, and you have a plan to do something, and you get home on time, and it's 4.30, and you're supposed to get it done by 5.30, but you haven't started it till 7.30. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, I know. I'm the only one. Anyhow, if you have an opinion, a comment, a thought, or a question, please don't let it die of loneliness. We want you to reach out to us. You have that opportunity to have a prayer request, a praise report. You have the opportunity to answer Bible trivia, which we'll do in the next segment. You have that opportunity to touch base with the Christian community. It is not your church. It is a fellowship where we gather and strengthen one another as we see the day approaching. The way to get in touch with us, you can call 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you make that call, Terrific T answers the phone, and it is terrific. There you go. You can also text us at 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. And then you can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org, which leads us to the website, It is a place to give, and we ask for giving if the Lord puts it on your heart, but we don't want that to be the core of anything. In fact, the opposite direction, if you go to the website, you can get an electronic copy of a book that I released for free. That's not bad. That's a good price. You don't have to give anything. 
I'd rather you read the book and have it be a blessing and do something in your life than anything else. Here's what I encourage you to do. Go to hemustincrease.org. Website, hemustincrease.org, hemustincrease.org. Email david at hemustincrease.org. Facebook, he must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. All right, that's not too complex. I will say that we've had some people read the book, and they have found some additional things. So we're, I'm still waiting for Bill M. to send me his copy. And the great thing about the system we have is that if there's mistakes or whatever, I can take every, like, three, four, five days, I can take those mistakes, uh, make the corrections, and load up the corrections for future print and future electronic. So if you got an early book through print, it, you can consider it a collector's item. <laughs> Because there will only be so many printed with so many mistakes for so long before it's like perfect. But I'm just letting you know that ahead of time. Still, you can read it and you get the gist of it. And the bottom line is, here it is. Ready? The bottom line, God loves you. Oh, no, I know. All the stuff I've been through, Dave. Yep, yep, yep. Look at that. God loves you. Period. Okay. Uh, let's see. Any other? I don't think there's any other things we're going to update at this time. But I'm getting ready as we go into Matthew to give you a share with you a teaching you may not have heard before in the Book of Matthew. So for some of you, you're gonna go what? But it's okay. So I don't think there's anything else to cover. We're gonna go right in. We'll go into Matthew. Then we'll do our trivia in the next segment plus some of the other stuff. This is Matthew. We've been talking about Matthew chapter 4. And so we just finished up with Matthew 10 and 11, 4, 10 and 11, which says, when Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. When he heard, referring to Jesus, that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee withdrew might be a poor choice of words in the sense of how we think withdraw is. Let me read you this scholar's take, and I love it only because of what it means. When people will read, he heard that John's arrested and then Jesus went hiding. That's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. This is what it says, and this is written by Robert Stein, who wrote The Differences in the Gospel in the in the CSB Study Bible. He said, John the Baptist had been arrested because he dared to say that Herod Antipas's marriage to his brother's wife was immoral. As Tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, Herod did not have jurisdiction over Judea, the locale of Jesus' baptism and wilderness temptation. Thus, watch this, Jesus fearlessly marched into the heart of Herod's territory when he heard that John was arrested. People read that text and think that Jesus withdrew so he wouldn't get in trouble. That's the exact opposite of what took place, and that's why I want you to catch this. Jesus went away from Galilee, withdrew with Galilee, right into the heart of Herod's territory after he had John arrested, and he goes, now the Messiah is here. The other part about that that is superbly significant is this statement Jesus heard that John had been arrested. He withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea. This statement is critical because it helps us understand exactly what the title of this ministry is. It 
anchors the beginning of Jesus's ministry and in connection with the termination of John's ministry. So Jesus knows that John's arrested, knows what's going on, what's about to take place, and what Jesus does is he steps in to now fill the gap of what was started for the declaration of the kingdom. John's ministry was decreasing and now Jesus's ministry was increasing. So between John and Jesus, and you know that's our passage, John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Here is the evidence of that taking place. In John decreasing, he was arrested and removed, and Jesus steps in to the spotlight. Why that's important is because too many people think, well, see, Jesus, uh, when there was pressure on, he kind of withdrew. He withdrew from Galilee, not from where Herod was. He went right into the heart of Herod and go and was started to make the proclamation about the kingdom of God and, and then started to make the proclamation that he was the Messiah. Why is that important? Because Jesus wasn't afraid of any part of his mission. He was ready. He had been baptized. He went through the temptation. He went through the testing. He went through the trial. And now John was arrested. And it was time for everybody to become aware that the Messiah had arrived. And for the next three years, the entire Judea and Jerusalem community would be just freaked out <laughs> might be a nice way to put it because they thought the messiah was coming in and he would have a laser <laughs> he would have a he would have what is that uh the thing with star wars where he would have this little zoom 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 thing i mean they thought he was coming in with with all that kind of stuff you know with uh you know the, the all the armor that you could think of in your mind jesus came in to fight the war that's really existing between all people and that's the the fight against light and darkness, the fight against good and evil, the fight against God, and everything that's not God. Notice how I didn't just say the devil. God and everything that's not God. You see, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and things that are not in the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of men. There's a kingdom of Satan. There's a kingdom of this or a kingdom of that. It's God's kingdom and everything else. So even if Jesus had come in with a lightsaber and a hovercraft and all these other things, and they'd all been excited, that's not how Jesus came in. And instead of walking away from what was certainly putting his life in danger, he walked right into the heart of it and said, now that the forerunner has done his job, I am presenting to you not what the message is about, but the actual message, it's me, I am the Son of God, the Lamb that was chosen to be slain before the foundation of the earth. And so now you go back and you read that. Now, just, now, now read it. And when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew from Galilee and left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. Instead of Jesus pulling back, he moved forward. When things got tough or things looked like they were getting worse, he didn't step away from it. He stepped into it. You know why he did that? Because he loves us. Because he knew what was coming. All right, we'll take a break and then come back and get into the rest of this. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere.
The David Spoon Experience is now run by He Must Increase Ministry. What this means is that we are no longer operating as a regular business, but as a nonprofit ministry that is devoted to increasing the ministry of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Bible believers, the wounded and forgotten believers, and the not yet believers through biblical truths. We are funded by listeners like yourselves and ministry partners that want to provide sponsorships for the show. Your donations are 100% tax deductible. And the great news is, if you donate to our ministry and help us advance the kingdom of God, we won't give you a thing. That's right, you'll get no special prize or gimmick. You won't ever get an anointed Bible or penny in acrylic so that you're never penniless or a guarantee that you'll become rich just because you gave. Your giving will support our unique idea of biblical encouragement. And what you'll receive is a receipt for your giving at the end of the year. It's all about sowing and reaping. Cast your bread upon the water and it will return to you. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. But you'll be laying up treasures in heaven. And that's the most excellent place to receive the best return for the longest time on your investment. What happens if you don't give? Nothing except more commercials like this one. Let's spare everyone for more commercials like this one. Go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. And give if you're led to and if you're able to. Let's keep the show going and help increase its time and reach. You must like this show a little bit because, after all, you're hearing this commercial, right? Thank you. What is the David Spoon Experience? Here's what it says. The sure way to avoid criticism. To avoid criticism, the article says, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. That was said by a successful and innovative coach of the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team. Now, that's not the only reason I'm reading the article, not because it's just a hockey team uh, coach thing, but here's where, uh, here's what it says. Number one, say nothing and become the unwitting victim of everybody else's opinion or point of view. Two, do nothing and just watch life from the sidelines. Three, when our voices remain silent and our actions still, we are nothing. The David Spoon Experience on God Country, Texas, 770 KAAM. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Okay, here we get ready for our first trivia question. I can tell you that you will probably be able to locate this somewhere around Matthew 5-ish. Complete the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Complete that beatitude. Isn't that a good attitude to be? A beatitude. If you think you know the answer, you can call 972 445 0770. 
That's 972-445-0770. Or you can text in 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Or you can email in david at hemustincrease.org. Complete the first beatitude, which is the attitude to be. Now, I got to tell T something that I absolutely made a mistake on, just for everybody to know. I uh, did history yesterday, and I did today's history yesterday. Remember how I was all, like, fuddling with the papers and stuff like that? So I pulled out today's history yesterday. So I messed up history. So there's going to be no history today. We'll do the we'll do the language thing today. But I'm just telling you, in order to get back on track, I have to stop. <laughs> and then start again tomorrow. That's I'm just telling you so you can know what's going on. Uh, let's see. Outside of that, what else to tell you? Uh, school, just keep me in prayer for school. Things are going fine. I, you know, I've got my one big paper today. I've got a lot of it done. It's supposed to be about 30 pages. I got about 15 done. So that's pretty good. And it's Tuesday. Uh, and then, I uh, still need prayer for the final project. So we're going to see now my goal. So you can know what's going on from where I'm at. My goal was to let them, you, me utilize the, the show in order to do the doctorate, which was what they originally agreed on. But the department had switched in the last 60 days, so now I'm having to kind of resubmit and redo things. So uh, unless you think Christian school is perfect, the answer would be nay, nay. Okay. <laughs> That's, a pretty good. That's a pretty good one, right? All right. Uh, let's get into the text. Don't forget, here is our uh, trivia question, and we just want to make sure you have the opportunity to do it. Complete the first beatitude. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What's the rest of that say? And again, props for Cordelia and Joanne for reading through the book and sending me some corrections. All those corrections that they sent may have been made or all the ones that applied. Actually, one thing didn't apply, but I'll have to tell them about that later. Uh, But, yeah, so, yeah, great job. And if anybody finds something, send it to me. We just have that great ability to update and change it. And that is uh, super-duper-duper-duper wonderful. Uh, here we go. I want to go back into the text. So I want to challenge you in something that will, I think, encourage you and you should be aware of. And so this is a kind of a, the next text or the next element in the framework of Matthew. So Matthew, so Jesus goes into the heart of where Herod's at. And this is, by the way, all in connection to a fulfillment of prophecy. So Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 13, he left Nazareth, went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali along the road by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who lived in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So this text that we we get this chance to see, you get a, a chance to understand. This is an Isaiah text, okay, for the, for the most part, Isaiah 9. And what's amazing about this is for people to understand two things, and I'm going to, I'm going to ruin things because I love to do that. You know I like to do this sometimes. But the reality check is that Jesus moved somewhere, and it was in fulfillment to prophecy. And this brings me to a discussion I had with my dad. My dad and I had a few furious discussions, limited. And one of those furious discussions, and this is why people should read more the book More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, as he goes through and illustrates certain different prophecies that Jesus 
could fulfill and which ones he couldn't fulfill. So my dad and I were having this conversation, and this is a perfect example that my dad would use. He would say, well, look, the, to fulfill the prophecy, all they did was go to move to this place, and Jesus could fulfill the prophecy. Well, that there's that you can't deny that. You can't say that's wrong. That's right. He, he could move there, and that would fulfill the prophecy. And even though it was written a long time ago, uh, you know, statistically it would still be difficult. But that's only one prophecy regarding Jesus, and there are 300 prophecies regarding Jesus, not the least of which is this one that my dad and I had a wonderful, wonderful time talking about. It says this in Mark chapter 15, verse 33. Now, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So I said to my dad, when he said, well, Jesus could have fulfilled some of his prophecies, and this would be one of them. He could move somewhere. That would fulfill a prophecy. I said, well, how would he fulfill a prophecy in regards to having three hours of darkness and being on the cross, you know, being crucified during this three hours of darkness time? And my dad's response, listen to this, I'm not kidding you, was... It was it was a solar eclipse. That's what my dad said. And I said, Dad, I said, could you possibly find me a solar eclipse that has been uh, examined and diagnosed that lasted three hours as opposed to three seconds? He said, no. I said, so it's three hours of darkness doesn't sound like a solar eclipse. <laughs> it sounds like something altogether different. He goes, well, that's true. I said, and how did Jesus coordinate that the heavens would be dark for that amount of time? The point is, if somebody's willing to examine at that level, take them to the next level. <laughs> to have a conversation. Don't hesitate. Talk to them about what's going on. They say, well, Jesus could have fulfilled it. Could he have fulfilled all of them? I mean, that just means that there's a subtle interest. And they did try and challenge and talk to him about this. Now, for you and me, we don't really worry about their thinking about that. But I'm trying to help you from a apologetics point of view. So you can, so somebody says to you, well, he could have fulfilled those prophecies. We well, couldn't have fulfilled keeping the, the sun dark for three hours. And and how did Jesus, by the way, know when a solar eclipse was going to happen when we barely found out so many years ago? So anyway, my point is you can be aware of that. But this is the portion I want you to understand and for you and me to understand. It says this. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet for the— the prophet in the land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned. And that's the thing that I want you to key in on. That Jesus is the light that dawns back then and right now. When you got saved, you I think most of you would acknowledge this. A light bulb goes off in your head, ding, and you're like, oh, wait, this is amazing. I, I kind of understand that. Then all of a sudden, out of the weirdness of all of it, somehow the Bible becomes important. And you're like, well, uh, uh, and then you read the Bible and you're like, look at all this stuff in here. Who knew all this stuff was in the Bible? Right? That's the light bulb going off. That's the light shining in the darkness. That's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's why those who are living in the land of the shadow of death, which, by the way, is a reference to Psalm 23, verse 4, but that's why they have seen a light. Because Jesus is the one that, when you're in the room in the dark, he's the one that comes and flips the light switch on. Because he is the light. 
and all of a sudden you get it. This is, of course, an operation between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're not trying to define their their specific roles in this. But I want you to be aware, when Jesus was on the, the road to Emmaus, and he had those two guys that were the disciples that were walking with him, and then they're eating bread, and then Jesus goes, bing, and disappears in front of them, and they were like, oh my goodness, he was there the whole time, we didn't even know it. And all of a sudden, through Jesus, bam, the light goes on. And bam, the readings of Moses all of a sudden start to make sense through Jesus. We call that illumination. Okay? Revelation, it was the manifestation of Jesus. Illumination is us getting the revelation. And now, in your Christian walk, as then, you, you it's like, oh, I never saw this and that and put those together, and wow. And that happens to you. I mean, if you're an avid Bible reader, it probably happens once a week, once a month, maybe at church, maybe it happens every day. You know, I can't really speak to that. But what I can tell you is that every time that light bulb goes off, that's this. That's a light shining in the darkness. That's the continual fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. In fact, though you may not know it, you are a part of that fulfillment of prophecy every time the light goes off when you're in the shadow of death and it like ding and you go, wait, wait. And you see a great light. It's in Christ. And the light has dawned and you start to get it. You're just living in the fulfillment of prophecy. God is so smart, so smart, how smart, so smart, that even now, the words that he spoke thousands of years still move forward in the lives of his people and in your life. Now, I don't know if you think that's cool or not. I think that's massively cool that God could speak 3,000 years ago and it's still working for David Spoon 3,000 years later. I just think that's like, wow. That's the God that I serve. Who doesn't love that? All right, trivia, 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 and uh, tight time. Trivia, trivia, trivia. Uh, complete the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Good job for all the people that texted and you guys got that right. That was really good work. Okay, now I've got some very challenging DDDs. Don't get mad at me. Talk to the Lord about it if you don't like it. I'm doing the best I can. I'm sure you are too, but they are challenging. I'm going to take our break and come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Short break, top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. Here we go. Let me give you an update on Easton Scott. A lot of tough stuff that my daughter and my son-in-law have been going through. Uh, I did send an email out. I don't know if, Julie, if you got the email or not. I did. I sent it out to everybody. So he was going through 20 and 30 seizures per episode, and they've got that down to a dramatically less amount. But the sad news is that from a medical point of view – uh, Easton does not – it does not appear as, according to the doctors, that he will be able to speak or will be able to care for himself. 
And so what the result of that is, is that Julianne and Jared, my son-in-law and my daughter, have recognized that God has put them in a position to be the best parents, to love Easton Scott with all that they can and give them the best life that they can. But while that's going on, they're not going to stop believing that something can change. And the doctors even said... This is territory we don't even know. Right, because this, this is a problem that not very many people have had. So Very few. Everybody is different. Yeah, and, they're, and they're, they have like 230 total cases in the world that they have records on, which is like – so they're like, we don't know. Right. And it's like – so I, I just want to read this one thing my daughter wrote. It's a fantastic – she wrote this uh, – you know, it's not easy to sit there and write a Facebook post that tells all the things you've been going through. And so I'm not going to read everything, but I'm going to read the last paragraph because I thought that was really significant. She wrote, scientifically, Easton does not have much of a chance. His best case scenario is he may possibly be able to walk and say three to five words one day. But God – can help him. He's not afraid of impossible odds. And if Easton is healed one day, there will be no question as to where it comes from. It will not be because of therapy. It will not be because of medication or diet. It will be because of God's undeniable healing power. So in the meantime, we choose to raise a hallelujah and trust in God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is faith. Now, the the idea that it's going to be simple and everything's going to be great and they're trying to make pie in the sky, that doesn't exist at all. If you read this, and, and I think Wonder Julie can attest to it, she tells you this is ugly. This, right. This is a not a good situation. It's going to change our lives. He's never going to be able to be unattended. It doesn't look good. And, you know, as a parent, you're heartbroken. They have two other children. They don't want to have any loss in their communication with their kids, but they're going to have to give extra attention. They were going to have a fourth child. They're not sure they're going to do that now. So you got a lot of things in play. But what you can't deny is that my I, I will take I won't take credit, but I'll stand in there as a grandparent and as a parent and say, what a fantastic position of faith that my daughter has grown into. She has made the determination that she will do the best that she can as a human being to give this child the best life she can, and she will not quit hoping. 